We are in the middle of a series. It's a three-week conversation that we started last week. And so last week, I started it by saying this. I think this series, this conversation, has the power to change your life, has the power to change somebody's life. I know that it has the power to change your family. I know that it has the power to change our church, our community, our schools. I believe, quite frankly, that it has the power to change our world even. I think this is one of the most important conversations that we'll ever have in this room. And so what I said was this, for fear that some of you might be thinking, well, it doesn't necessarily relate to me. I said that this series, this conversation matters to you if you have kids, if you work with kids, right? If you someday want to have kids, this conversation matters to you. If you wish you didn't have kids today, right? Uh, This conversation matters to you, ready? If you ever were a kid. So that includes all of us, right? We simply are talking about this. How in the world can we impact the next generation? How in the world can we invest our lives in a way that's going to outlast us? One of the most important conversations that we're ever going to have in this room is how do we do that? How do we live in a way that's going to impact people who are going to live well beyond us? And so here's what I said last week. I want to make sure you're caught up to speed. Last week, I told you that these next three weeks is like one sermon three weeks, right? So I want you to see it that way, one sermon three weeks. We simply gave the foundation last week. We simply gave the introduction last week. I also told you this, it's a little different than other sermons if you come here all the time because usually I take one passage of scripture, kind of tease it out, that's usually how we do things here, but over these next three weeks, we're taking a 30,000 foot view, right, because we got to get the big picture for what we're talking about. And so last week, as we started, we just kind of built the foundation, gave the introduction, and here's what we said, if you and I are going to impact the next generation, it's going to take a dynamic partnership. It's going to take a dynamic partnership, and it's going to be a partnership that weaves together three very important factors, three very important factors. The very first place that we started, all by way of review, is this. We said every child, every child is a gift from God. Psalm 127 says that, that every child is a gift from God. Every child, every child in your home, every child in this church, every child in the school where you teach, every child in your neighborhood, every child... Every child is a gift from God. Every baby, the ones who sleep through the night and the ones who don't. Every elementary child is a gift from God. The ones who are well-behaved and the ones who aren't so much, right? Every child is a gift from God. But here's the point we made, ready? Stay with me. We said every child's got an expiration date. All we meant by that was this. They're not always going to be kids, right? That, That we literally use this illustration that from the time you bring that baby home, you are given 936 marbles, And those marbles represent the weeks you have with your kid from the time they're zero to 18, right? And that little by little, right away, you begin losing your marbles. That's why I said what I said to these parents, right? Uh, Yesterday, this became very, very real to me in a kind of a, a way that maybe I didn't expect. It's kind of fascinating. But yesterday, I spent the day with my family in Indiana, and I had the opportunity to watch my daughter graduate from college. And so we were there yesterday. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. So, so I'm very, very proud of her, and it was a very exciting moment. I realized I'd done lost my marbles when it comes to her, right? And a lot of money along the way is what I lost, right? But, but it happens really quick. What was fascinating was, was this, is that she is a, somebody who got an elementary education degree, so she's going to go on and be a teacher. And so her brother, her, her oldest brother and his wife got her a gift. It was, it was interesting to me. And she opened the gift yesterday, and in that gift was a small jar of 36 marbles, that they gave her. Why? Because if you're a teacher in the room, every time a kid enters your classroom, you have 36 weeks with them. 
36 weeks, one at a time, you have a chance to impact their life. Every child, gift from God, every child has an expiration date. They aren't always going to be a kid. That's why we said this, the stage, the phase that you're trying to survive is actually an opportunity that you need to seize. The phase you're just trying to survive is actually an opportunity. They're not going to be that size very long. And with each phase comes a unique opportunity, which led us to say every parent is a coach, right? They're the primary coach in their kid's life. And so it's parents who have the primary responsibility to impress their child's heart, not just modify their behavior, to teach them about God, right? To, to share with their child who impresses their heart, to listen as their child shares with them about their particular heart. And so we said every parent is a coach. And then we said that the church here, us, we want to be active partners, that we want to come beside uh, every kid, every parent. Here, Listen, if you call Grace Church your home, I want you to dial in a second. That means this. I, 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 want, to, I want you to dial in. I'm serious. That means every kid who walks in here ought to feel like that, that somehow they're celebrated and important, right? I'm not saying we idolize them. They're the center of the world. I'm saying that they're important. We celebrate them, right? That they're a gift from God. And every parent that walks in this place ought to feel supported. Every child celebrated, every parent supported. That's the foundation to our conversation, a dynamic partnership, which leads us to what I want to say today, okay? So today, more than a sermon, right, is is more like I want to spend the next 30 minutes kind of coaching. Can we do that? Kind of doing some coaching and and kind of talking about some really, really practical things, okay? So, So I want you to have your pens ready because there's some things worthwhile writing down because I think for us to invest and make an impact in the next generation goes beyond simply a dynamic partnership, but I think it involves a dedicated process. I want you to write it down. I'll explain it. It involves a dedicated process. Now, even if you're not a parent, I want you to write this down. If you coach kids, ever think you're going to have kids, you ought to write this down now. Okay, I want you to be proactive. If you love, if your grandparents, uncles, aunts, you ought to write this down. It involves a dedicated process. Now, let me tell you something, and then we'll race, okay? But I use those words on purpose, okay? I use those words on purpose. I did not say anything about the product that we're trying to create, Right? That somehow when, when we look at our kids, we're trying to create this finished product, right? In fact, I'm going to tell you something, and you can agree, disagree, you know, whatever. But, but here's what I would say. When you as a parent get so focused on the product, here's what can happen. You can fold under the pressure of that, and your kid might rebel under the pressure of that. When it's all about you've got to be a certain way, right? Because I got something to tell you. Just let the cat out of the bag, and if your kids are grown on God, you already know this. But if you're a parent here in the room... If you're a parent, here's several things you need to know. You cannot make your kid believe anything. You try, somebody said amen up here, right? You cannot. I realize if your kids are, you can't. All you can do, listen, listen, I want you to get this picture, is create the greenhouse and sow the right seed. Right? All you can do is create the greenhouse, that's the process, and sow the right seed. I honestly believe this. You, I mean, this... This is for free, but I believe sometimes when kids turn out and they're like amazing and it's incredible, that sometimes the parents of those kind of kids can take too much credit. And sometimes when, when, when kids go haywire, the parents of those kind of kids can take too much responsibility. The truth of the matter, all we can do is create the greenhouse, sow the right seed. It's a process, right? The other thing I would say about when we focus on the product, and then we'll, we'll race, okay? When you fo- if you've got young kids, listen to what I want to tell you. When you focus on the product you begin to compare with other families and other kids and other parents. It just happens. Trust me, it happens, right? And and so what we're talking about today is there is a dedicated process. 
And so here's what I want to talk to you about today, right? I want to talk to you about five things that every child needs. Now, before I go any further, okay, look here a second, because I already know how some of you operate. Some of you are going to send me an email. You're going to talk to me after and say, actually, then there's six or there's seven. Yeah, there's probably 107, okay? I got 30 minutes. I'm going to pick five, okay? Can we do that? Five things that every child needs. You can add to it down the road, but these are five things every child needs. First is this. I want you to write down. Every child needs love that communicates. Every child needs love that communicates. You're saying, what do you mean by that, Dan? Here's, here's what I want you to hear me say. Never assume your kids know that you love them. I'm going to say it again. Never just assume that your kids know you love them. You're saying, well, why would I not just assume that? Listen, this is kind of the motivation for almost everything, I think, in, in terms of following Christ. Because God doesn't. It's fascinating when you read the story of God, God never assumes that we just know that he loves us. You read his story, and all through the story of God, he's telling us over and over and over again how much he loves us. A lot of you in the room know this famous verse, John 3, verse 16 says this. It says, God so what? What's the word? Loved the world. That's you and me. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. He loves us over and over again in the scriptures. In God's story, he tells us of how much he loves us. In in, in 1 John chapter 3, look what it says. See what great love the Father, God, has for us. He's lavished it on us that we should be called children of God. And he doesn't just tell us. He shows us. Look at this. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our wives for our brothers and sisters. Listen, God never assumes that we just know. The the love of God is a show-and-tell love. Got to write that down somewhere. It's a show-and-tell love. He tells us he loves us. He shows us. Every kid needs to be reminded over and over and over again of how much God loves them. But not just that. Not just reminded of how much God loves them. Every child needs to hear that we love them. We cannot assume they just know that. So how do we communicate love as parents, coaches, teachers, as a church, the kids here? Two ways, there's more than this, two ways that I think are worth writing down. First is this. We communicate love with our words. I want you to write it down. We'll we'll tease it out. We communicate love with our words. There's a passage in Proverbs 18, verse 21. Here's what it says. It says, the tongue has the power of life and death. Here's what I want you to hear me say. Your words have the power to speak into a child's life. Ready? Ready? either acceptance and security or rejection, right? They have the power to speak into your child's life, either acceptance and security, right, love, or to speak into your child's life, rejection. The old saying, right, sticks and stones may break my bones, but what? Words are never going to hurt me is a bunch of what? Baloney. It's a bunch of baloney, right? 
It's, it's just not true. You know how I know that? Let's just think. Let's just be real practical for a minute. You know how I know that? Because many of us in this room, if, if, if I pushed you, if I had an hour with you, I would bet you, I would bet you that many of you remember things that were said to you as a kid. I would bet you any money you do. Somehow when, when words are spoken to you as a kid, they have a way more so than even as an adult. You might say something to me after the service, I'll forget it by this afternoon, right? But when you said something to me as a kid, somehow it brands itself inside of me, right? And you, you begin to, re- I mean, this happened to me. This, I can remember things that people said to me when I was a kid. I can remember them. Um, I remember my grandma. I loved my grandma, right? But when I was growing up, when I, I, I'm a middle child, okay? I'm a middle child. It explains a lot to some of you, right? I'm a middle child. But, but my brother was older than me, is still older than me, right? And he was always tall and athletic and good looking and all that. And I was short and chubby, right? And so I kind of grew up in his shadow, right? He was tall, good looking. And I would go to my grandma's house. And this is the way it I mean, I can remember this like I was eight years old. Eight years old. I remember sitting in her kitchen and she would pour a bowl of M&Ms in front of me and say, Danny, eat your vitamins. She'd say that, right? I'm like, man, that's the kind of vitamins everybody ought to have, right? Amen, right? I'm giving up the Flint. I got a guy back here. Give up the Flintstones and go with the M&Ms. And so I'm sitting out just eating those things. And then she says to me, I remember like it was yesterday. She says to me this. She says, Danny, do you know why all the little girls like Keith? And I'm like, uh-uh, I have no idea. And she says this to me. I'm eight, right? She says, because he's got a nice physique is what she said. I remember thinking to myself as I stuffed the M&M's in my mouth, hmm, I wonder what a physique is. I ought to go get one is what I thought to myself, right? I remember it like I was eight years old. I remember it like it was yesterday, right? Yeah, we remember what, listen, I was meeting with somebody who is a dad of themselves. They're, they're a parent. And they could tell me almost word for word, they could tell me conversation that their father had with them while on a pitcher's mound as an eight-year-old playing Little League. And it was a conversation that spoke rejection. It was a conversation that spoke disappointment. You see what I'm saying? See, there is power with our words. Our words can either speak rejection or they can speak, the power of them is acceptance, security, and identity. With our words, we can speak acceptance, security, and identity into the lives of our child. Now, I don't know where, what book I found this in, but I'm pretty sure Andy Stanley's the one that said it. But this had great impact on me as a dad. He said this. This is worth writing down. Decide what your kids need to hear ahead of time and then say it 10 times more than they need to hear it. If you're a parent, write it down. If you're a coach, teacher, write it down. Listen, this doesn't work just for that. If you are a boss, write it down. If you got a staff, a team of people working with you, write it down. Decide what they need to hear ahead of time and then tell them that 10 times more than you think they need to hear it. Because chances are they need to hear it 10 times more than you think. You're saying, well, how did that work? Can I tell you how that, I'm going to give you some, like my family's the only one to know, right? Like I grew up in my family and I have my family. This is the way this impacted me. With my kids, two of them are sitting right here, so you can test me on it. They're sitting right there, and you can ask them. if. I'm th- but some of the things that, 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 that I wanted them to hear me say were this, okay? And I wanted to tell them, there is nothing, okay, ready? There is nothing you can do to make me love you more or to make me love you less. I wanted to tell them that ten times more than I thought. They ne- Why? 
Why would I want to tell my kids that? Because I knew there might be times they might show up at night and tell me something like, what happened? And I might be disappointed, right? But I want them to never doubt I love them, right? It's not like all of a sudden I love you less or I love you more, right? That one, I want them to be secure in my wife and I's unconditional love. With, with my boys, if you have boys, if you have little boys, you got to write this down because I, I do believe this is absolutely true. I try to tell my boys 10 times more than I thought they needed to hear, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. I love you. I told them that all the time. I'm proud of you. I wanted my little boys to know dad was proud of them. And with my daughter, I wanted her to know she's beautiful. I wanted to tell her that she was beautiful 10 times more than I thought she needed to hear. Why? Because I wanted to say it for some greasy-haired guy, ask her out on a date and told her that for the first time, right? I wanted her to hear it from me, right? I wanted her to be secure in that. I wanted her to know that. You see, you find out whatever it is they need to hear, you tell them 10 times more than you think they need to hear it. Because here's something that's true, okay? You got to get what I'm getting ready to say. Your words have power. You ready? Ready? Your words have power, but the absence of your words also have power. And when you say nothing, dads, all the dads listen to me. When you say nothing, you just assume they know, there's a power to that. And they'll fill in the blanks. And you leave them wondering where they stand with you. You leave them wondering who they really are. Trust me. I know. Guys, I, I got it. When you say nothing to them, there is a power. And the absence of your words are just as damaging sometimes. This is why I have guys that come into my office and they're trying to make their dads proud. And their dad is dead. And they're like, I hope he's proud of me. And they have no idea. They don't know. Some of you are living that, right? This is why I, I've met with women that are vying for their mom's approval because they just don't know. Mom never said, I don't know if I'm doing it okay, and I wonder if I'm raising my kids okay. And I, as adult women, they're like trying to get their mom's approval. The absence of your words are just as powerful. Not only do our words communicate love, you ought to write this down, okay? But our time does. God illustrates this. God showed up, and you know what he promised? He said, I'm never going to what? Leave you what? Or forsake you. Like he showed up, and he said, I'm going to keep showing up. He said, I showed up, and I'm going to keep showing up. Here, here's the deal. To love our kids in our heart is great. I, I hear parents say that. I love my kids in my heart. But if I want to love my kids in a way that makes an impact, I'm going to go from just simply loving them in my heart to loving them in my calendar. I'm going to love them in my calendar. Like somehow I'm going to show up when it matters. Some of you know this. I coached 14 years football. Eighth graders. About eighth, ninth grade. That's about when young men are getting too cool for school. You're tracking them. They're like, I'm cool and, you know, whatever and whatnot. I coached 14 years that age group. And I used to, at the beginning of every season, have a parents meeting. And this is what I'd say to parents. And I, I tell you, every year I coached, it was true. Every year I coached, it was true. They'd come out that first game like, man, we're going to go get them, right? And somewhere between the national anthem and the kickoff, every one of those big old strapping boys, they'd be on the sideline, they'd do something like this. They'd go like this. They'd go, and they'd turn around. What were they doing? You know, what were they doing? They wanted to see who showed up. They, because you know something? It spoke volumes to them. Oh, they're not going to tell you. They're not going to get all mushy about it, right? But all of them would do something like this, or they'd act like they're getting a drink of water, and they'd go, and they'd look up like that. Why? They want to know who is it that took the time to show up. I love something C.S. Lewis said. He said, 
children are not a distraction from more important work. They're the most important work. Listen, this is fascinating. Is there anything more important that we can invest our time in? When you think what's going to matter years down the road, when you and I are dead and gone, they're going to be around, right? Is there anything more important, even more effective, that you and I can spend our time in? Here's the way investing your time works in kids, okay? And we've got a race, okay? Here's the way it works. It happens, little investments, time over time. It's like investing your money. Here, here's the deal. If you want to get to retirement and be like, okay, we're ready for retirement, here's the way it works. Start when you're 30 and invest a little bit, 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 and then all of a sudden when you retire, whenever that is, it's like, okay, those investments over time, time over time, all of a sudden produces this, right? If you wait until you're 65 and like, oh, no, I haven't been investing. I got to put a big old something at it, right? We're in deep weeds, right? I got problems. Same thing with the time and the way you communicate to your children. It's time over time. You think those little investments don't matter, but it's time over time. It doesn't have to be the big old experience. That's not, what, that's not how it works. It's the time over time, and a time over time is an investment that all of a sudden reaps great dividends. You see, you got to show up somehow in your kid's calendar. You see, when I was thinking about this point, I know some of you, you come and talk to me, you love it when I quote Bible scholars and theologians and kind of make a point with that. When it comes to spending time with your kids, I, I found a theologian that makes the point, a Bible scholar that makes the point. His name is Trace Atkins. <laughs> Those of you who are laughing, you, uh, you're, that's the station you have on, right? Raise your hand if you like country music. Come on, raise your hand. Come on, loud and proud. Let me see you. Pastor Adam is the biggest country music fan I know, right? But here's Trace Atkins has a song, Just Fishing. And listen, I'm not condoning all country music or anything like that, but there's some gold in some country music. I'm lost here. I'm lost in her there holding that pink rod and reel. She's doing almost everything but sitting still. Talking about ballet shoes and training wheels and her kittens. And she thinks we're just fishing. I say, Daddy loves you, baby. One more time. She says, I know. I think I've got a bite. All this laughing, crying, smiling, dying here inside what I call living. And she thinks we're just fishing on the riverside. Throwing back what we could fry, drowning worms and killing time. Nothing to ambition. She ain't even thinking about what's really going on. We ain't just fishing. Isn't that interesting? Love that. There's power to that. You see, the fact is that time over time somehow communicates love to a child. Not only that, I want you to write this down, okay? Every child needs relationships that matter. Every child needs relationships that matter. I'm going to explain what I mean by this, okay? i got to just talk serious with you about something. We are at a time in our culture, ready? I want you to write it down, then I want to talk to you. Because some of you, I think, are going to disagree with what I'm saying, and that's okay. I'm all right if you're wrong. But uh, you can come every Sunday, right? <laughs> it's okay if you disagree with me. You don't have to agree to come here. But I think, I'm, I, I think this is right. We are at a time in our culture when the temptation is this. We want to give our kid every experience in the world. Stay with me. We want to give our kid every experience in the world, and in so doing, what we do is we give them every experience and rob them of relationships that matter. Our kids are at risk of being, listen, even if you don't agree, write it down and let it percolate. They're at risk of being experience-rich and relationship-poor. Experience-rich and relationship-poor. And here's what drives us. Somehow in our mind, even as parents, we think to ourselves, they got to have every experience that what? we didn't have when we were their age, right? 
every kid what they need what they need is relationships that matter. What are those relationships? First is this. If you want to write these down, you can. But, but if you're a parent, you ought to. Every child needs a relationship with Jesus Christ as their Savior. God wants to have a relationship with your child. Your child needs to know that early. That Jesus, when he came and died, died to pay for their sins, died to secure heaven. Yes. But what God wants is a relationship with your child. You tracking with me? Every child needs a parent that's going to coach them. Parents, they need... They need you to coach them. Every child needs that. Not only that, but, but you ought to write this down. Every child needs other adults to influence them. Your child needs other adults that are speaking into their life some of the things that you're speaking into their life. Some of you are like, I'm not so sure. Let's just talk about that for a second. See, if you can't relate with this, if your, parent, if your kids are grown and gone. If your kids are grown and gone, you ever had the experience... By the way, this takes humility... This takes humility. You're saying, what do you mean? You ever had the experience if your kids are already grown and gone where you have told them something a hundred times? Like you've taught them something. You've like illustrated it. You've taught it to them. They go hang out with Pastor Greg for one night. He teaches them the same thing. They come and say, Pastor Greg had the coolest life lesson today. What did he tell you? The very same thing that you've been telling them a hundred times, right? And you think to yourself, who's Pastor Greg? Like why does he get the credit, right? That's what you think to yourself as a parent. And listen, listen. Listen, and, and you as a parent be like, I've been telling you that, right? I don't know why it is. It doesn't even matter why it is. But there's something inside of kids. There's certain times inside of kids where when, when a parent talks, it's like, wah, 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 right? You tracking? But all of a sudden, another adult says it, and bam, oh, wow, that is so cool. Listen, don't fight and say, I need the credit. I've been telling you that. It's like, eh, that doesn't even matter. I'm glad you got it. I'm glad you got it, Right? Pastor Greg's had great influence in all three of my kids' lives. I'm glad he's been in, in all three of my children's life, right? Not only that, you know, know something else, this is for free. But I'll tell you, if you're a parent, I've got, got news for you. If, you're, if your kids are little, like I, some of you got little kids, I've got news for you, okay? Ready? Your kids are not going to tell you everything. <laughs> can I get one amen in the room, right? Right? They're, can I tell you something? I didn't tell my mom and dad everything, right? And chances are you didn't either. I was just with my mom yesterday, and every time we're together with her, like something comes out that we did as a kid, and she's like, you did that? Yeah, we did tons of other stuff too, mom, all right? You need other adults in your life. So, so relationship with God, parents to coach them, other adults. But, but here's what every kid needs. I want you to, to remember this. Every child needs peers to join them in the journey. Here's what Proverbs says. Proverbs says, walk with the wise and become wise. Why? Companion of fools suffer harms. Listen, I had the opportunity uh, a few days ago. There's, there's a, a person in the Medina County Juvenile Detention Center that I love. And, and this person is in there. So Pastor Greg and I go visit, hang out with this person. And on my way out, last time I was there, there was a sign. There was a sign in the waiting room. And here's what it said. It caught my attention. The sign said this. Show me your friends and I will predict your future. Show me your friends, and I'll predict your future. What does that mean? Well, as a parent, that means that, that, listen, can I just talk real frank with you, and then i got some serious stuff i got to talk to you. That doesn't mean I think about all the kids that I, that, that I want to keep my kids away from. Ooh, I hate it when I hear that. Ooh, I don't want my kids being around those kind of kids. Your kid might be one of those kind of kids. You know why? Every kid's a sinner. Like, that's not what this means. It more is like, who are the kids, the peers that I want to invite into my child's life? Who are the, the, the ones that I want them to run with to form a huddle around them? You see what I'm saying? Now, now here's the deal. 
I want to talk because I'm old, my kids are gone, I have this, the, the right to say what I'm getting ready to say, okay? And if you have problems with it, my email address is gfoot at graceohio.org, all right? You send it there. Listen, listen, listen. We are, ready, ready? I got to talk to parents in the room. If you got, I want to talk to you. We're, we're at a crisis moment, I think, in our culture. We're at a crisis moment. I watch children that are so busy because they're in everything under the sun, because their parents feel guilty, because I didn't get those opportunities. And kids are exhausted. And somehow we've convinced ourselves, we've convinced ourselves that somehow if I just get them on one more team, one more traveling team, one, listen, you're not going to find a bigger sports fan than this dude. Go Celtics, right? I mean, uh, sorry about that. That's terrible. I mean, where that came from? Listen, 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 listen. I want to talk seriously. Listen, I'm not going to find a bigger sports fan. My kids played sports. I'm not against sports, right? But we live at a time when, when kids are in every, and we think somehow the experiences are going to make them who they are, and what happens is they become experience rich and relationship poor. It, it, it helps me understand why my dad had a rule that I hated when I was a teenager. I've told you about it before. He said, Dan, one sport. I'm not saying you got to do that. I'm not even saying it was a good rule. But for me, now that I understand why he was doing it, I complained. I griped. I'm like, Dad, you're so out of touch. You don't get it. I'm, you know, I could go and I want to do this. And he's like, one sport. I didn't understand it until I became a parent. What my dad was trying to do for me, whether it was one sport was right or wrong, doesn't matter, right? Because we didn't have that rule in our home. But when my dad was trying to say, Dan, you need to understand that someday... You ain't going to be playing football. You ain't going to be playing a sport. You're going to, like, like relationships, the relationships that I had as a kid are what matter. Because they, they began to make me who I was. People who coached me and, and poured into me. And so I, 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 I want to say that even if you disagree with what I'm saying, because I'm looking in some of your eyes and you're like, oh, but i got to get them in. There's this and there's that. Man, I'm all about that. Love going and watching my kids play ball. But, but somewhere, relationships are what matter, and they can become experience-rich, relationship-poor. But that leads to the third thing that it's worth writing down, because whereas relationships matter, every child does need experiences that are meaningful. Now, I want to explain this to you. This is so important. Every child needs experiences that are non-negotiable. Let me say it this way. You ready? Every child, you ready, needs to experience what brings meaning to your life. I'm going to say it again. I want want you to get it. Ready? Every child needs to experience what brings meaning to your life. Do you know what brings meaning to your life? Faith. Every last one of you in this room, you're a person of faith. You're trusting something, and what you're trusting is what you're trusting to give meaning to your life. So your faith is what brings meaning to your life, and what your kids need to experience is they need to experience what happens to your life when you act out what it is that brings meaning to your life. That's why James says this. He says, in the same way, faith by itself is not accompanied by action is what? Dead. By the way, I'm really excited. In a couple weeks, we're going to start a series through the book of James. Very practical. We're going to just go right through the book of James. I want you to come be a part of it. Great stuff to teach your kids right through the book of James. But what he's saying is, is that our faith, you ready, is not something we just declare. It's demonstrated. Your faith as a parent is not just something you talk. It's a walk. Parents, listen to me. 
Every day you make a statement of faith to your children. Every day you make a statement of faith to your children. They get a chance to see what brings meaning to your life. Can I say it this way? I just want to say it this way. If God, ready? If my faith in God only impacts the fact that I go to church once a week for one hour, but doesn't impact the rest of my life, I'm making a statement of faith. I'm somehow showing my kids what matters. But, but when God matters and when my faith in God matters, I invite my kid to experience that with me. Why is that important? Why is that important? Because kids remember experiences. If you cornered my kids and said, hey, tell us the 10 best lessons your dad ever taught you, they'd be like, uh. But if you ask them, tell us the experiences you had as a kid, well, that's how kids remember. They have a photo album of experiences, Right? And so what they need to do is experience your faith. Now, you cannot give them their faith, but they need to see how your faith somehow shows up in your life. Well, how how does that work? Just two ways, two suggestions. There's more than just two suggestions. Let's write this down. First is I need to find ways to serve with my family. You want your kids to begin seeing a faith that's a give-it-away faith. Well, well, you don't want them to just see that, that you're out doing things, but it's inviting them to help your neighbors. It's inviting them to take the meal to the widow down the street. It's inviting them to serve with you, maybe even here at church in some way. It's, it's inviting them to experience your faith with you. By the way, this is for free. Give it away spree this summer. Give it away spree that Pastor Jonathan told us about. Uh, do that as a family. Like, don't just say, I'm going to do mine. You do that as a family. Grab those things down there in the cafe and say, we're going to do this as a family. And what if we experience this together, right? So, so figure out how to serve together. You know another way to let them experience your, your, your faith? This is going to sound funny and not even like churchy. Figure out ways to have fun together. Fig- Listen, if somehow... If, if somehow the, the, the joy of my life is found in Jesus, if all my kids remember is a joyless home, right? i got to figure out, wait, I was with my kids all weekend, okay? And, and it's always interesting to me when they get together. They're a bunch of goofballs, okay? And when they get together, it's always interesting to me to hear what they talk about. They're not sitting around saying, you know, Dad really taught us this really good lesson when we were eight. and uh, They don't do that, right? What, you know what they talk about? They talk about the goofy experiences, the fun stuff, the memories that we had, right? And, 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 and the fun that we had together. And do you remember when we, and even vacations that fell apart, right? You find ways to, like, I can remember when my kids were little, right? We had a 900-square-foot home. It wasn't even quite 900 square foot, and three, pe- three kids were raising in this home, right? And we played this game called Monster. You ever, you ever heard of Monster, right? Here's the way Monster works. If you've never played it, you ought to play it. Uh, you, you, the dad, are the monster, and you tell your kids to go hide, and they never hide very well, right? But they go hide, and you turn all the lights out in the house, and then you go find them. You open the door, and you go, bah, like that, right? And they're like, oh, do it again. They run away, right? And, and can I tell you guys something? Kids are growing up. I miss Monster, right? Like, my wife's not that good at it, right? I mean, I, I miss playing monster. Yeah. You, you find ways to have fun with your kids to create a photo album of experiences. I got a race for time, right? I want you to write this down. Number four. Number four. Every, this is, oh, man. Every child needs instruction that is wise. Every child need. I'm going to skip the next two slides, Okay. Let's skip them, okay? Every child needs instruction that's wise. I got to race through this, but I, w- I want to 
talk to everybody in the room that works with kids. I want to talk to you. There is a difference, you ready, between teaching for knowledge and instructing in wisdom. Listen close. There is a difference between teaching for knowledge and instructing in wisdom. Write this passage down, Proverbs 4. Just write it down and go look it up, okay? If you're going to be a mom, dad someday, write it down, look it up, put it somewhere. There's a difference. Sometimes what we can do is, I taught all my kids the Bible stories. What happened? Listen, listen. Your kids, ready? Your kids need to know Bible stories. Our kids need to know Bible stories. They need to memorize the Bible. But you ready? They need to know more than just the stories of the Bible. There is a difference between just teaching them knowledge and instructing in wisdom. Well, you're saying, what's the difference? This applies whether you got kids or not. You ready? Here's the difference. Ready? Here's the difference between knowledge and wisdom. Ready? If I just simply teach for knowledge, I am going to the Bible and saying, what does it say? I know lots of people who know more about what the Bible says than I do. Here's what Paul says. If all I do is build up my knowledge, I'm going to get what? Arrogant. I'm going to get puffed up. I know lots of people like, did you know it says this in the Bible? Like all this Bible trivia, right? That's just knowing knowledge. I got to go from just teaching for knowledge to instructing in wisdom. How do I do that? Here's a little, here's a little equation for you. It's not just, so I go to the Bible and I say, what does it say? Then I got to take the step and say, so what? Now what? That's wisdom. Here it is, ready? What does the Bible say? What is God saying in the Bible? I want my kids to be instructed in wisdom. So what? That he says that. Now what do I do with that? That's wisdom. And every kid needs it. Every kid needs instruction in wisdom. And they need instruction not only in word, but also in practice. How does what God says in his word, ready? Change my priorities. Impact our schedule as a family. That's instruction in wisdom. How does what God says in his word impact and change the way we handle money. Listen, let's, let's talk a practical illustration. Those of you who have little kids, ready? You go into the store and Johnny says, or whoever, Festus, Myrtle, whatever her name is, right? They say, oh, give me, I want this, I want this. And you're that parent's like, I can't say no, right? I, I've met with some of you, right? I just can't say no. Listen to me, you are instructing them every time. Because what does God say? God says, all of our money is his money. So what? Well, that means whatever money I have is on loan from him. Well, now what? Well, I want the way we use that money to reflect the heart of the God whose money it is. You know something, Johnny? This isn't our money. God gave us this money. It's on loan. See how that works? That's instruction in wisdom. That, that is a chance. In fact, if all I do is ever buy them everything, I'm instructing them not in wisdom but in foolishness. That's what I'm doing. You see, every child needs that. Last but not least, can we do this and then, and then we're going to land the plane. Every child needs discipline that's helpful. Every child needs discipline that's helpful. You want to forfeit influence in your kid's life Listen, listen close. You want to forfeit influence in your kid's life. Choose to be their friend and stop disciplining. 
Hebrews chapter 12 is an interesting passage, and let's just read it like a few lines at a time. Hebrews chapter 12, beginning in verse 5. Look what it says. My child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline. What's he saying? He's saying discipline is never to be a joking matter. It's to be taken seriously. Don't give up when he corrects you, for the Lord disciplines those he loves. Look here a second. One of the most... One of the most loving things you can do for your child is to discipline them. Remember that as a dad. One of the most loving things you're ever going to do for your, your kid is to discipline them. Uh, I with, I with, can I tell you, uh, in our home, uh, one of the things I used to say to one of our kids, and I'm not going to tell you which one, but when I talked to her, I used to, uh, <laughs> I used to say this to her, and I watched her graduate yesterday, but I used to say this to her. She'd so tell this. I'd say, listen, sweetheart. Tonight you're going to run into the wall. On the wall. Okay, that she knew it wasn't going to be a good night. But I want you to run into a wall that loves you because someday when you're an adult, you're going to run into walls that could care less about you. That's what parents have the opportunity to do. Discipline in love. Right? To somehow come beside. I, I used to tell my kids this. My love for you is greater than my need to be liked by you. Okay? Remember that, parents. My love for you is greater than my need to be liked for you. My, my kids, I cannot remember a single time I disciplined them where they liked it. I have a pretty good relationship now with them. If they're honest, there were times they did not like me. Okay? Just, just being honest about that. By the way, parents, this, this will be a huge struggle in your life. You'll either, be, you'll either be tempted to just punish. I was many times out of anger because it's inconvenient. Discipline's hard. It takes an investment. Then he says this, and he punishes each one. He accepts as his child. Discipline communicates acceptance. As you endure this divine discipline, remember God's treating you as his own children. He says if God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you're illegitimate and are not really his children at all. Discipline is just, just standing with our children against sin. That's all it is. And then he says since we respect it, verse 9, our earthly fathers who disciplined us. Write this down somewhere in your notes. Discipline cultivates respect. Discipline cultivates respect. Not just punishment, not just anger, and that's what I'm talking about. But, but discipline that's helpful cultivates respect. I meet with young adults, and sometimes here's what I find is young adults who don't have respect for their parents grew up with parents who didn't discipline. They wanted to be their friends. Discipline is part of discipleship, by the way. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful, right? And then he says, afterwards, there's a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. Discipline is not something you do to your child. It's something you do for your child. I want to show you this, and then I'm, I'm going to pray for you, and then we're done, okay? But, but I want you to see this because this matters, okay? Those of you who have young kids, listen to what I want to tell you. Discipline early to influence later. Don't put your stuff away. I see you, right? Discipline early to influence later. Let me show you this little chart. You got 936 marbles, 0 to 18 years. As a parent, what happens over time, right, is when your child is really little, you have a lot of control in their life. When my kids were little, I used to take them everywhere. They didn't have a choice. In the car seat, they went where I took them, right? They ate what I fed them, right? Uh, tried that yesterday with Aaron. Car seat doesn't work anymore, right? Doesn't work. <laughs> what happens over time is, is control you, you, you give away, Right? You give away less and less control, but you want to parent high control early so that later in their life you have high influence. 
You see, when they're 18 and I can't make my kids do anything. But you know what I long for is influence in their life. I long for them to come say, hey, Dad, what do you think about this? Right? And so what happens is early in their life, the quality of your relationship early in their life sets up for the opportunity to influence later in their life. It's the way it works, right? And let me show you something. I promised I would do this. I have this little red dot. Can you see it? See this right here? 10 to 14. Some of you got middle schoolers, and you're wondering, why in the world is it such a struggle? You know why? Because you're getting ready to cross an intersection, right? You've never done it before. They've never done it before, and you're trying to figure it out, right? And all I want to tell you is this, and then I'm done, right? I'm done. No more slides. Ready? If you've got middle schoolers, the phase you're trying to survive is an opportunity you need to seize. Don't just like, I can't wait till they get out of this. Don't do it. Don't do it. I beg you, don't do it. It's a phase. I know it's hard. It's turbulent. They're trying to figure it out. You're trying to figure it out. But it's, a, it's an opportunity you have to seize. What, what do you and I do with this? couple things just make it practical it's just coaching we're in the locker room I'm coaching some of you like like maybe you heard what I said and your dads and dads we ain't good at this and you just assume your kids know you love them because words don't come easy to you my encouragement to you as a dad would be figure out ways to begin saying what doesn't come natural to you and don't assume that if you got a boy make sure he knows he's, you're proud of him if you got a girl make sure you know She's beautiful in your eyes. Let them know that your love for them is not, well, however you do it. You don't have to do it the way we did. Don't, don't take that. But figure out a way to communicate love to your child. Show up in their calendar. Can I just talk to some of you parents got kids and, and you're busy, exhausted, and they're busy, exhausted because they're getting experience rich and maybe relationally poor. And maybe this, maybe this little talk from a bold preacher in Norton, Ohio, just give you a chance to take inventory in your kid's life and say, is, 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 this, is my child in so much that the things that matter don't have a chance to get in? See what I'm saying? And, and then, then I would say this. As your kid lives in your home, what do they experience from your faith? Do you invite them in to serve with you, to give it away with you? To, do they have that opportunity? Do you have planned, dedicated time to fun and just, just, just laugh together? Those of you with younger kids, figure out organized ways to instruct your kid in wisdom. Those of you with older kids, find organic ways. Have conversations just simply about God and ministry and the relationship they have with Jesus. Discipline early to influence later. You know why? You know why? Every, ready? Every child is a gift from God. Every child is a gift from God. Grace Church, Grace Church, every parent is a coach that needs supported. Every parent that walks through these doors is a coach that needs supported. And we have the opportunity to invest in something that's far going to outlast us. I heard, I read this in a book, I can't remember which one, said the only thing that's going to matter 100 years from now, right? The only thing that's going to matter is your relationship and your kid's relationship with Jesus Christ. We're so busy doing so many things, making sure we got this, that, and the other thing. And the things that really matter sometimes get pushed to the wayside. And so, God, there's the talk. Kind of more like a chance to coach as a family this morning. God, I'm thankful for my friends in this room. I look into their eyes, and some of them are like, I'm trying to do this alone. 
I'm a single parent. Some of them are like, man, my kids are a certain age. And God, give those individuals in unique situations, give them courage to start somewhere. Maybe to start speaking into their child's life. Maybe to start showing up in their child's life. Maybe to start letting their child experience some of their faith. God, help us. Every kid that you send here, every kid in the school, every kid in our neighborhood is a gift, a present you gave us. So God, I pray that you'd help us to somehow be dedicated to a process that creates a greenhouse where they can hear the truth and it would grow. What a privilege on this Mother's Day to think about this precious gift. And I'm so thankful for the moms in this room. I'm so thankful for my wife, who is my kid's mom, and thankful for my mother. God, I just pray that today as we celebrate moms, it would give us a chance to reflect on the gifts that our kids are. I pray this in Jesus' name.